Happy Monday, y'all. Here's what's coming up on NSN Daily. A huge showdown looming on the high school diamond. We're getting you ready for Tuesday's battle between Bishop Minogue and Reno High. Then we'll talk the college and pro game as both the Wolfpack and Aces return home this week for games live on Nevada Sportsnet. Whenever I'm struggling, she comes out and helps me, just giving me like tips and pointers here and there just to help out. There's a local product making an immediate splash in the circle for Utah State. We catch up with Spanish Springs grad Haley McLean. We'll also head to Augusta following a wild week at the Masters. We'll hear from winner John Rahm and the two Live Tour guys who finished just below him. I think competition makes everybody better. And the Nevada football team suiting up for its first spring scrimmage. We've got highlights and a recap from Mackey Stadium. That's right now on NSN Daily. Well, hello and welcome into our champion Chevrolet studio. He's Alex Margulies. I'm Mike Stephenson. And this, well, you know what it is. It's NSN Daily. Alex, a busy Easter weekend in the sports world. Yeah, man. And how about an Easter weekend where we saw the sun? It was 70. <laughs> That's the most notable we, thing. We, we cracked 70 degrees uh, than, here in northern Nevada. More than one sun rising over the weekend, man, as Jim right. Nance put at the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots to get to on today's show. Uh, we're going to kick things off, though. How about the first live scrimmage this spring for Nevada football? And with that great weather, came a great atmosphere for some football. It's the first time fans could get out to Mackey Stadium. Check out this year's upcoming squad. A lot of new faces on this team. Head coach Ken Wilson pleased with the team's first scrimmage, calling it a massive year-over-year -year improvement for his team. Our very own Shannon Kelly was in attendance on Saturday afternoon, has this full report, including a breakdown of the Wolfpack quarterback battle. The Wolfpack football team is officially halfway through spring ball as the first of two scrimmages leading up to the spring game are in the books. Second year head coach Ken Wilson said they came out of Saturday's scrimmage without any injuries or penalties. That wasn't necessarily the case during the first scrimmage of spring ball last year, and he believes at this point these guys understand the culture he and his staff are trying to build. We want to practice the right way, and I think once you teach your team how to care for each other and practice hard for each other, you, end to you tend to have less injuries and, and less shots and stupid tackling that causes injuries. So I thought today they did a really nice job with that, and if we can continue to do that and how we practice and how we go about it and the tempo that we practice at, that makes this football team so much better and, and physicality it's so much better when we can practice like that. The competition in the quarterback room continues to heat up as Shane Illingworth is the pack's lone returner who saw reps last season. Colorado transfer Brendan Lewis showed off his mobility, getting reps with the ones. Freshman AJ Bianco showed flashes of his potential after redshirting last year, along with true freshman Jax Leatherwood, who graduated high school a semester early and enrolled at Nevada in January. With just a few weeks of spring ball left, it's a group that continues to show Wilson and his staff something new every day. I just see a lot of guys making plays. I saw AJ make some plays. I saw Jax make some plays. Obviously, Brennan's really 
uh, improves running the ball and he, and he keeps the plays alive. And, and Shane's got a really good arm, knows the offense so much better now. You know, there's just so many, you know, Jay Barley's had a good drive there today. So we've got a lot of options. We're going to have to start pairing it back here a little bit and giving them um, some really good situational work and see how that goes. But, uh, you know, I think competition makes everybody better. And we'll see as we get down the line here and into the spring game uh, who's going to get more and more of those reps. So there's one more scrimmage next Saturday ahead of the spring game, which is set for April 22nd right here at Mackey Stadium at 1.30 in the afternoon. Reporting at Mackey Stadium, Shannon Kelly, Nevada Sportsnet. Shannon, thanks so much. And also this fall, we just learned another local athlete will be joining the hunt. Logan Howron announcing he'll suit up for the silver and blue, committing to play football for Nevada as a preferred walk-on. The Bishop Minogue standout was the Northern 5A Player of the Year after leading the Miners to another regional title. He threw for over 3,100 yards with 48 touchdowns and four interceptions. Nevada will now have seven quarterbacks when fall camp opens this August. You saw the, the photo there of him and his pops, Ernie Howard, of course, a longtime successful coach in our region, got to coach his boy at Bishop Minogue. Logan has been a ton of fun to watch, so it's great to keep that local talent local. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, he, he's a guy that is going to bring, not only you look at what he's done statistically, but you know this is a kid growing up in that household, a coaching son. You yeah. know, you just have to think that he is going to bring a lot to that locker room. And, and I love this trend for Nevada. I mean, the way that Ken Wilson has been able to go and get the local kids to either come back or stay here. Yep. Uh, I think that has been a different kind of vibe for Coach Wilson. And, you know, you see Ashton Hayes. You see uh, all these guys, Jackson LaDuke coming back. You see Ernie Howron. You know, he could have gone and played college football somewhere else. There's no yeah. doubt. He wants to be here, part of this team. Now, as you mentioned, a seven-quarterback room, I'm not sure uh, how long that's going to last. And, and certainly it's going to be hard for Howron to, to get much playing time in that deal. But, again, I think this is somebody that just brings a lot of intangibles, and I love – being able to keep these kids uh, from northern Nevada at, you said with, it. with the Wolfpack. You said it. Logan will be very valuable on and off the field. And um, that's the kind of kid you want to have in your at your school, too, yeah. because he's academically very focused, too. And uh, always a great one to catch up with. So excited to cover him even no doubt, more man, for the be next, awesome. next handful I of love years. It. Shout out to Logan and congrats to the Wolfpack for adding him. All right. So a lot more coverage coming up this week of uh, spring practice. We've got, of course, uh, some interviews lined up out there uh, at Wolfpack Park and another scrimmage. Uh, coming up this Saturday as we get ready for that silver and blue spring game on April 22nd. Coming up on today's NSN Daily, the NBA playoff picture coming into shape. Mike, and when the ball tips in the air this weekend in the first round, how about a couple of Northern California teams separated by less than 100 miles squaring off for the first time ever in playoff history, the Kings and the Warriors. We'll talk about that in more. Happy Monday to you. Welcome back inside our champion Chevrolet NSN studio. Mike Stephenson and Alex Margulies. You know, Mike, the last time the Sacramento Kings were in the playoffs, I was a freshman in college at the University of Miami. That was the spring of 2006. I guess, would that make you like, Was that, were you a freshman in high school? I sophomore was, I would in high have school? been the start, what, spring 06? That would have been the start of my junior year. So I was kind of close to you, not, long quite, time. not quite so close. 16-year <laughs> droughts. Uh, let's go through some of the things that were going on, Mike, in 2006. MySpace was the most popular social media site. I remember Facebook and, and Twitter were basically like starting not even around yet, then. Yeah. The iPhone had not even come out uh, in 2000, until 2007. That one surprised me. YouTube was only one year old. Jeez, it's been a heck of a drought for the Kings. Uh, Sony had just released the PS3 
And this is when Nintendo <laughs> unveiled the Wii. I'm actually surprised the Wii is that. I guess it has been around for a while. 2006. I don't want to use that O word, but it has been a while. What a time to be alive. <laughs> I'll say. Kings are back, and we're going to talk about that one in a second, but I know uh, we've got some great play-in games. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's get to that. that. We'll get to that matchup in a second, which comes this weekend. But yeah, first of all, we got play-in Tuesday coming up, including a matchup with the Lakers and the T-Wolves. First, it'll be Atlanta visiting Miami in the east and then in the nightcap it'll be the seventh seated lakers seeing the eighth seated timberwolves it's a match it's a matchup made even more intriguing following the suspension of minnesota big man rudy gobert here punching teammate kyle anderson during a huddle That's not and good. live on tv sunday night not good at all the lakers landing the seven seed after having mm. the best record in the west after the all-star break Rudy Gobert suspended by the T-Wolves will not play in that game Tuesday Crazy. Night. I mean, definitely uh, some interesting storylines there. I mean, the way the Lakers have finished out the year, who would, who would see that coming, the way that they played down the stretch? Of course, uh, we got our guy Caleb Martin uh, out there with the Miami Heat. So certainly looking forward uh, to seeing what they can do. And the Heat, you know, they've been one of those teams. You get them into the postseason, and uh, they can be very, very dangerous. But this matchup that we're excited about, Mike, of course, here in northern Nevada, a couple teams uh, – Separated with just about an hour and a half drive. The Kings will now have their long-awaited return to the postseason. Can't believe it. The longest playoff drought in the NBA, 16 seasons since the Kings lost to the Spurs in six games back in 2006. You got to go all the way back to 2003 and 2004 when they actually won a series uh, in the NBA playoffs. But how about now the Kings? Really the surprise team in the West this year, Mike. They earned the improbable three seed. And what's their reward? Well, they get the last year's <laughs> champs in the Golden State Warriors who have been very up and down. Of course, the Warriors uh, have been great at home. They've been really bad on the road. But this is going to be a, a super intriguing series uh, when things tip off on Saturday night. I mean, these two fan bases right next to each other, Sacramento and uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. And it's, it is kind of cool to think that this is the first time in NBA history that these two franchises – will tip it off in the postseason. It's such a fun storyline, also considering Sacramento head coach Mike Brown was a part of that Warriors staff for so many years. So there is so much familiarity and obviously so much respect from the dubs toward Coach Mike Brown and what he's been able to do with the Kings, but that'll all be out the door when they suit up on Saturday and face off in the postseason. Dubs just got a win at the Golden 1 Center uh, toward the end of the regular season last week. They do have that championship pedigree, as you talked about. So, mm -hmm. like you said, heck of a draw for the Kings to have to play the defending champs, but it's also a team that Mike right. Brown is very familiar with and how to defend them. No doubt. I mean, if you're the Kings, go out and try and slay last year's champs. I mean, talk about what that would do for them, you know, in this Western Conference if they could knock them out. So, I think there's no question. Uh, there's a lot of those storylines. I mean, Harrison Barnes, who was with the Warriors for a long time, now he's with uh, the Kings, Great so call. I think there's some interesting deals uh, to look at there. There's, I think there's no question the atmosphere is going to be electric at uh, Golden 1. Again, this is a fan base that has been dying uh, to get back into the postseason. But um, we're talking about electric things, Mike. i got to show you this. So we, this came in this morning, all right? Uh, Mike Brown, of course, talking to the head coach of the Kings, a fan made a promise earlier this year that the Kings got into the playoffs. Oh. He was going to get a tattoo of Mike Brown – and this fan came through on his province. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, Kaposian, K-A-P-P-O-S-Y-A-N. Um, you know, portrait tattoos, <laughs> not usually. Risky. There, there's a risk in a portrait tattoo. 
right on the what is that a is that I think arm? that's the like a forearm uh, or is that a calf uh, or a leg? Actually, is that his, well? No, that's a, a lot leg. of hair. That well, I guess he shaved around it. <laughs> I think that's a At leg. At first, I was like, is that his? That's a very hairy. Uh, it almost looks like it's right is. on his shin. That's got to be Mike his Brown is back, on his shin. Back of his uh, no, I think it's calf. Is that back of the calf? I don't know. That looks like the, that front that foot over there. Looks like it's pointed. That might forward. be front front of the shin. <laughs> That is a bold location Confirming to put shin. Mike Brown. Mm. Nonetheless, they made the playoffs, so you got to give some love to the coach. Would you ever get a tattoo of a portrait? Uh, no. I don't think so. I mean, I'd get a portrait of, like, my dog or my grandmother or something, <laughs> but not, not a random coach. But, hey, that that's shows, dedication, man. It shows just how passionate these Kings fans are. I mean, he could have just, just gotten, like, a Kings, like, Get logo. the logo or something. He but probably has that somewhere else. He's going Mike, Mike Brown. Put the King's logo crown on top of Mike Brown's I mean, head, like, maybe. you can't blame the tattoo artist. Like, that's that's not an easy assignment. Um, I'm not sure if I'd want to be stuck with that one <laughs> for the rest of my life. Though. I hope but he hey, doesn't regret that If eventually. the King's going to win, win the title, he's not going to regret it one bit. Let's hope the Warriors don't sweep them. At least maybe get a winner there. <laughs> All right, Warriors-Kings game one. It's coming up Saturday at 5.30 from, as Alex said, what will be an electric Golden One Center as they look to light the beam playoff edition. Coming up next on NSN Daily, we're going to hit the diamond as the Reno Aces and both Wolfpack teams return home this week, all playing games live on Nevada Sportsnet. We're going to get you ready for those next on NSN Daily. Welcome back to NSN Daily on this Monday, April 10th. He's Alex Margulies. I'm Mike Stephenson. And Nevada baseball certainly keeping busy playing a non-conference game today at Cal. First pitch there set for 6.05. This following three games last week at UNLV where it was the home team Rebels snagging two of three from the Wolfpack. Nevada's lone win coming Friday with Cade Morris going seven strong, allowing just two runs and striking out six. It was an eight to two silver and blue win. UNLV taking the first and third games by a combined score of 16 to 6. All right, so the Wolfpack now 13 and 17 on the year. They'll play uh, one more at Cal, then back home this week to host Air Force Friday through Sunday. We'll have that opener for you Friday, 6:35 on Nevada Sports Set. John Ramey, Zach Batch on the call. And if you like some live sports, we have got you covered across the board all week long. It'll start with the Reno Aces on Tuesday nights against the Sacramento Rivercats, a three-game series at the downtown ballpark. Then that packed baseball game on Friday. And then a little bit of Wolfpack softball for you on NSN. Mike and Nikki Pika will have the call of the Wolfpack's contest against San Diego State Saturday and Sunday. We also have a little ace ball for you on Saturday. So, again, you're looking for some live sports. We have got you covered baseball, softball, all week long here on NSN. Mike? No reason to change the dial, that's for sure. On Tuesday, we get a heck of a showdown on the high school diamond with the area's two premier 5A programs renewing their rivalry. It is Bishop Minogue and it is Reno. And to get you ready, this is Nevada Sportsnet's Nikki Pika. The biggest little city is home to two of Nevada's most dominant baseball programs, Bishop Minogue and Reno High School. Most years, those teams battle for the Northern 5A supremacy, and this season is no different. On Tuesday, the rivalry is renewed for the first time this season. Past two years, we lost to them in the championship, which is our, so that's kind of our motivation going into this game. We want to prove to them that, you know, we can be the better team and we will be the better team. I'm really excited. Uh, I think we've got what it takes. We're a really good team this year. I think we got, probably our biggest thing, we're, uh, as our coaches would say, we're uh, scrappers. 
We're really good at grinding through stuff and we have really good team chemistry. The Miners enter Tuesday's game one game ahead of the second place Huskies. While trying not to place too much value on one game, each team knows the importance of this matchup. Beauty of baseball is the toughest hitter you're going to face is that guy in the batter's box and that team in their dugout. And honestly, we, we teach our kids to play against the game, not the opponent. And um, we certainly have a lot of respect for Minogue. They're very talented. They're well coached. Um, they're a good team. Uh, we believe we are the same. And, you know, it should be, should be a good ball game. We're a very senior-laden team. We haven't talked much about it. They, they know the situation, and they've been in this program a long time, and they know who's who and, and the big games. Coach Opio and Coach Savage are two of the winningest coaches in Nevada high school history, each eclipsing 700 wins. But more important than those victories is the life lessons coming with them. Baseball's great and winning's great, but, uh, you know, they got bigger and better things, you know, hopefully coming after high school. So we focus on that a lot. Trickles down, they teach the younger guys, and, and it's just a cycle that, uh, that keeps, you know, producing good kids. The Miners and Huskies match up Tuesday at 345 from Reno High School. Nikki Pika, Nevada Sportsnet. Thank you so much, Nikki. Cannot wait for that matchup between the Miners and the Huskies. We'll have a camera there Tuesday at Reno High. We'll bring you highlights on Wednesday's edition of NSN Daily. In the meantime, coming up next today on NSN Daily. It's been so much fun getting to learn new people, playing with new people. A former local standout doing big things in the circle for a Wolfpack foe. From Spanish Springs to Utah State, it's the Haley McLean story next on Daily. Welcome back to NSN Daily as Nevada Sportsnet's Shannon Kelly joins us here in the Legends Bay Lounge powered by Circus Sports. Shannon, we recently had a homecoming for Haley McLean. We sure did, Mike. She was once a Cougar at Spanish Springs High School, the reigning Gatorade Player of the Year, her junior season. Oh. She's now off to a great start at Utah State. All right, so it's always nice when you have the hometown kids stick around, but it's also kind of fun when they come back as rivals, right? It sure is. <laughs> Haley now suiting up for Utah State. Here's Shannon's story with the Spanish Springs kid. Spanish Springs graduate Haley McLean has quickly adjusted to life in Logan, Utah. It's been such a ride. It's been so much fun getting to learn new people, playing with new people, new coaches, and just a higher uh, competition level has been really fun. In her college debut, she left no doubt she belonged. With 20 strikeouts over nine innings, setting not only a Utah State record, but one at UCLA's Easton Stadium. My adrenaline was going, everything was hyper. I definitely had my team behind me while I was in the circle. My catcher was working the corners for me so well. And then just my team making plays and picking me up uh, in the box as well. As a true freshman, McLean says it's been nice having veteran catcher Mackenzie McFarlane help show her the ropes. Whenever I'm struggling, she comes out and helps me, just giving me like tips and pointers here and there just to help out. For the last few months, Snow has kept the Aggies off the field regularly. I think that's the biggest struggle, honestly, is not being able to play outside, practice outside. I'm really hoping to kind of perfect my craft more, get more strikes, less walks. That's one of my biggest goals right now, play for the team rather than my ego because everyone behind me is doing their job. McLean leads Utah State's pitching staff and is second in the Mountain West with more than 100 strikeouts so far. She credits pitching coach Bryn Dordle for her early success. I'm with her 
three hours every single day. Um, she's been a huge help. I probably would never have had my debut or be where I am without where, what she's been working with me with a practice in bullpens. Recently returning home to face Nevada at Hickson Park, McLean said it almost felt like playing high school softball again with old friends and teammates such as Tyra Clary, now turning into rivals. I felt like these games were almost more personal for me, not because I was facing Nevada, like my home, but it's because I look up in the stands and all my family's up there. I have friends up there watching me because they were the ones helping me to get to where I am. Reporting for Nevada Sportsnet, I'm Shannon Kelly. Great story with Haley Shannon. It has to be such a surreal feeling to play so much in this area and then leave for college and then come back and try to perform. Yeah, and it was really cool how she said, you know, it's it's a rivalry for me personally. I know my teammates don't really feel this way. It's not BYU against Utah State, mm -hmm. you know, UNLV against Nevada. But she said for me personally, it, it is a rivalry. And I think it's, you know, for her, she had a really stellar junior season. She was the Northern 5A's most valuable player. She was offered a scholarship shortly after to play at Utah State, and COVID certainly put a halt on her recruiting mm -hmm. her sophomore year. So she kind of took that offer and, and ran with it uh, up there in Logan, and she said she is loving life in Logan. Uh, I know she was really excited to go there as well. Uh, when I talked with her last year at Spanish Springs. Well, I think a lot of Wolfpack fans, when they saw that 20 strikeout performance in her debut, they were like, hold up, why weren't we in and on, on this girl? <laughs> but sometimes I think that's just the way things work out. Utah State got to her first, huh? Yeah, they did. They got to her first, and uh, I don't know if she was offered by Nevada right. or not with the previous coaching staff under Coach Taylor, but certainly has found herself a uh, home there. And Logan, she's second in the Mountain West in strikeouts this year. She's leading their pitching staff in ERA this year over at Utah State. Man. So the Aggies have a really young team this year, too. This is a program that's typically uh, near the top of the Mountain West, and uh, they've, you know, had a little bit of trouble this year with a lot of new faces. And But she said one day at a time, they're coming together. Well, it's clear that Nevada is going to have to deal with her for a long time because she is a freshman already throwing fire out of the circle and mm -hmm. with more years to come and more season this year for Haley McLean and the Aggies. Let's transition while we have you, our resident Nevada softball alum, and talk about the Wolfpack. This is a team that started the year scorching hot. Last week uh, hit a bit of a wall. Wolfpack looking to bounce back for sure. They sure did. They've dropped four straight, uh, fell in that series finale to Utah State, still won the series against the Aggies. And then, yeah, some really close, tight games against Sacramento State and Santa Clara. They had a bye this past weekend. Uh, but, yeah, some really close games, which is tough. A uh, couple shutouts there for the Wolfpack. And they're not used to being shut out. They're typically that's the, the team that's shutting people out, Mike, because their pitching staff has been so stout this year. And it really was to its credit in these games against Sac State and Santa Clara. I think those losses to the Broncos back-to-back -back were one-run defeats. So losses, but close losses, which maybe you uh, take a little bit of encouragement from. Huge week this week, though. You know as uh, being a part of this program, Shannon, Boise State, San Diego State, those are teams that uh, you, you want to beat, and it's not as easy to do as it is to say it, right? So, yeah, the Wolfpack heads uh, to Boise State this week, a doubleheader against the Broncos on Wednesday, and then comes back home this weekend to host San Diego State for a two-game series Saturday and Sunday. Those are the top dogs at the Mountain West right now, first and second place. So they'll certainly have 
their hands full, but it'll be a great test for the Wolfpack because we've saw, seen a lot of improvement this year out of this Wolfpack team from non-conference play. You know, it's such a stout non-conference mm -hmm. uh, performance, and Coach Garza said that was the first step is learning how to win in non-conference play, and now the next step of building a championship caliber program is learning how to win in conference. And win against the teams that are always at the top of the conference, which Nevada gets both of them this week. Two games at Boise on Wednesday, as Shannon said, and then back home this weekend to host San Diego State. Two games we'll have for you on Nevada Sportsnet. Saturday, it's a 2 o'clock first pitch. Sunday, it is a noon first pitch. While we have you, we still have more time. And earlier in the show, we had your Nevada football scrimmage piece from Saturday as we transitioned from softball to football, what was it like to be out at Mackey Stadium? Obviously, just nice to get out there under the sun. Mm -hmm. What's it like to see those guys live, though? It was great just to see what this team has been working on in spring as we've been so limited uh, to their practices. We haven't been able to watch much of practice, yeah. but to see some live action out of these guys, I think they really showed a lot of promise. We saw Brendan Lewis, his mobility, being able you know, to scramble and uh, that you could see in this play goes. right here. Here he goes. And then we saw AJ Bianco, some flashes of what he's been working on. I know you guys talked with him last week uh, and just how he thinks, you know, he really, he has a shot this year after sitting last year, redshirting last season. Coach Wilson said they wanted to pull his redshirt during the UNLV game, which is ah, kind of crazy to think that. Uh, now at this point, you know, they wanted to do what was best for him. And then freshman Jax Leatherwood, he is a tall kid standing at 6'8". Coach Wilson said he's got to work on getting the ball out quicker, but uh, certainly he showed flashes of his potential too. It goes without saying that quarterback battle is the most intriguing one, as it is with pretty much every college football team each and every year. But yeah, as Shannon said, our first real look at the silver and blue came Saturday in the scrimmage. For those who don't know, this is also the case across the country for a lot of teams. Practice time and media uh, filming periods are very limited down at Wolfpack Park. So we get a little glimpse of the guys as they start practice uh, a couple times each week. And then we have to skedaddle and come back to do uh, post-practice interviews. The scrimmage was wide open though. And so we got to record just about anything we wanted, which is nice. We did. And <laughs> we saw some plays from the defense as well. Uh, Trey Weed was making some plays there. He's a transfer from Eastern Washington. Um, we saw Drew Watts had a pick to end the scrimmage. All so right. that was nice for him, for the linebacker. Uh, so the defense made some nice plays as well obviously you know there's maybe only so much we can see against when the guys are going up against each other Good versus call. against competition in games but uh, i think certainly this is a step in the right direction and head coach ken wilson was pleased with how his team performed no injuries no penalties uh, the penalties were certainly an issue during the first scrimmage of spring ball last year. You're seeing some big time hits though. You can tell these guys have been tired of just practicing and doing drills uh, with each other these last couple weeks. They wanted to get out and run into each other a little bit and that they did on Saturday. Before we let you go, let's tease ahead now. You will be at practice on Tuesday and you're cooking something up on another local kid also from Spanish Springs. Also from Spanish Springs, Jackson LaDuke uh, returns home after a couple seasons at Oregon. He had three surgeries while he was up in Eugene. Pretty crazy story how he just said, you know, there was one point he didn't even know if he wanted to play football wow. anymore because of the adversity that he faced. And, you know, he persevered, plugged along. His doctors helped get him back in shape. But uh, it was great to catch up with him. We saw what he was able to do at Spanish Springs, so I'm sure 
uh, he'll have a great career, hopefully, with the Wolf Pack. Another well. one of those local kids that we're so excited to see back in town, back in silver and blue, and just uh, given that history, back just playing the game he loves in general. Excited to see your story on Jackson LaDuke, which will come here on NSN Daily in the coming days. Shannon, any final thoughts before we let you go? Just great to have spring football that we can go outside, check out, and it was a great spring day. weather. Yeah, spring weather. <laughs> That's what as it really well. is. I know there's one more scrimmage this upcoming Saturday as well before the spring game in about two weeks. Uh, so nice to see progress. Yep. What would appear to be exactly uh, progress from this Wolfpack football team that's ready to bounce back ready to answer back after a two and ten season last year for us in the media nice to just see anything with this team because we were allowed to on Saturday shout out to the Wolfpack shout out to Shannon Kelly coming up next on NSN daily we're gonna head to Augusta National looking back on a memorable Masters weekend we're gonna hear from the winner John Rahm and the guys he beat next on daily All right, back here on NSN Daily from inside our Champion Chevrolet studios, Mike Stephenson and Alex Margulies. Mike, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to victory lap this Do one uh, a little bit. Uh, Nikki kind of got us started with doing a little pool on the Masters last week. We all had to give predictions who was going to win the Masters. And my guy, John Rahm, the Spaniard, gets the job done. There is evidence on Nevada Sportsnet's Instagram. Alex <laughs> did, in fact, pick John Rahm. Who, uh, you were biting your nails on Sunday, I know, but no, he, he ended up getting it done. I actually, it's funny because I went into Sunday, even with the, the lead uh, that Kepka had, I, I, I felt pretty strong. I actually put a little, I, went, I got on my Circus Sports app, I got a little bit of coin on it. Hey. So it was good. I had to kind of put my money where my mouth is. And the only reason why I'm really victory lapping this is because I'm, I'm really bad at making picks. Yeah. So when I do get one, I have to uh, take, the, take the time in. to savor it. That's the thing. And he was a bit of a trendy pick, but I still like that you went with him. I took Cam Smith because I just wanted to mix things up a little bit. Maybe a live guy. Smith's going to be done. back. He did not. Yeah. Ha he actually had kind of a down 34th, yeah. performance in this one, but he's, he's going to be back for sure. But uh, how about the 28-year-old <laughs> Rom? Yeah. He gets to slip on the iconic green jacket after coming down from a two-stroke deficit against Kepka. He would finish 12 under par to take home his second career major championship. That was after Rom won the U.S. Open in 2021. Check this out, Mike. He's now four wins this season. He's put himself, I think, in conversation uh, to be the best golfer in the world right now. Uh, the Arizona grad, John Rahm from Spain. You can see the emotional reaction and just the incredible moments as he captures the Masters title. Hard to put it into words. Uh, obviously, we all dream of things like this as players and you try to visualize what it's going to be like and, and what it's going to feel like. And uh, when I hit that third shot on the green, and I could tell it was, it was close by the crowd's reaction, uh, just the wave of emotion of so many things just overtook me. Uh, never thought I was going to cry by winning a golf tournament, but I got very close on, on that 18th hole. Um, and a lot of it because of, of what it means to me and, and to Spanish golf, right? It's, it's Spain's 10th major for a player to win the Masters, fourth. And uh, my second win, right, my second major win, it's, it's pretty incredible. And, and to play the way I did today on, on Sunday, uh, only one bogey, you know, on difficult conditions and coming in with a margin, of hard to explain. You know, a lot, a lot of pride, and I'm really proud of myself from what I did. Mike, uh, pretty cool. You know, northern Nevada is home to a very large Basque community. Of That's course, true. there's Louis Basque Corner in downtown. There's a lot of great Basque restaurants, a lot of great Basque families uh, that have called northern Nevada home for a very long time. Well, 
Uh, Rom, who is from a Basque region of Spain. I love that. And you can tell how aware he is of just where that win stands in the history of Spain and being one of the few Spaniards to win the Masters and just win any major yeah. tournaments. Uh, John Rom, you could tell it wasn't lost on him just how significant that win was. No, I mean, I think, and the green jacket, I think it, that's one of the most iconic things in sports. Like, for me, if, if you had to ask me, okay, if you had to win one major, what would it be? It's got to be the Masters. Yeah, it's I think Augusta. So. There's just so much prestige there, and, and I, I just think it's so cool. Like, I, I know there's a little bit of pomp and circumstance, and, and maybe it's a little bit stuffy, uh, but the whole green jacket thing's pretty cool. I mean, then you go to, like, Happy Gilmore, gold jacket, green jacket. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what about you? I mean, would, yeah. is, is the Masters, like, if you were in golf, would that be your your pinnacle, or is it is it the Claret Jug? Is it... I think the Claire Jug is probably a close second because I always like that's that a pretty sweet. There's such like a you know you got to get history. up really early to watch them right. or stay up really late to watch them, and so you really have to kind of nerd out for it. But yeah, I think you said it. I mean, nothing like going to Augusta and having success. And that green jacket probably stays in the closet until you go back to Augusta <laughs> the next year. But when you open it up and you get to see that you earn that thing, I'm sure that's a pretty good feeling. And then what's the deal? So so next year, I guess they have a dinner and he like he gets to choose the menu. I actually didn't really realize. That whole thing, um, but Scheffler, I guess he had the uh, cookie that was in a, a cast iron ah, skillet. Okay, they do so get to. So maybe there'll be like some paella. Yeah, paella. On, bring on the paella. On a paella at the Masters <laughs> menu next year. He should give a little Spanish influence because, of course, it's not every year that a Spaniard wins the Masters. But yeah, he gets to go to the champions' dinner and uh, gets to show off, and then he'll get to put the green jacket on the on next year's winner, which I'm sure he's hoping it. that it's just someone else putting it on him again. But we'll yeah, have no to doubt. see. Anyway, shout out to Rom, who actually had to overcome a rough start to win the whole thing. He four putted his first hole. Yeah, that made on me nervous. Thursday. I was like, great, I picked Rom and he four putted his first <laughs> hole. Well, he put that double bogey actually on a famous friend of his. He name dropped him in all after he won. For those people who believe in, in jinxing other players, people, and whatever it may be, Thursday morning, when I was on my golf, on getting on the golf cart to get to this putting green 10 minutes before my tee time, I saw a text from a good friend of mine. And I'm going to name him, because he is a Super Bowl winning champion, Zach Ertz. Um, he, he said the text, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase here, but he said, that first green looking like a walk in the park or something like that right now. Ten minutes before I four-putted the start of the tournament. <laughs> so, thank you, Zach. <laughs> Don't ever do that again, please. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna four putt any hole at the Masters, you might as well, I guess, get it out of the way. Like, yeah, I guess it was funny actually. Um, JJ Watt, it was a group text, and the future Hall of Famer JJ Watt was also a part of that, and he screenshotted and he was like, "I have the proof right here." And yeah, Zach was like, "Oh, that first hole looking like a walk in the park." Four putts moments later, at which point Zach texted JJ on a singular message and just said, "I." I didn't want him to play like us. I wanted him to play how he plays against us. <laughs> and so, uh, anyways, luckily for Zach Ertz, he doesn't have to feel too bad considering he. I, I would love to see what's also on that text stream in that group chat. <laughs> like, there's got to be some good stuff in there. I, I, I wouldn't have guessed Zach Ertz, JJ Watt, and John Rahman. That's, 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 that's a Those good Those things group. happen, though, yeah. That's a, that's a pretty stellar uh, group in sports. <laughs> he had to call him out. I love that. I love it. Well, congrats <laughs> to Rom. Of course, he was the uh, glorious winner on Sunday. Uh, that also meant. A pretty grueling loss for Brooks Kepta, who collapsed after a three-round lead that included a four-shot advantage as play resumed on Sunday. Remember, they actually had to pick up play for the delayed third round. So a long day on Sunday for the four-time major champion. He was looking for his first since 2019. His 
golf game's kind of been on a slide ever since that he's been dealing with knee and hip injuries and Kepka just kind of ran out of gas, I, I think, uh, on that Sunday. 30 holes of golf, uh, and uh, he just did not have uh, his best stuff. He would actually finish four shots back of Rom after having that lead uh, going into Sunday. And, you know, some of the narrative, and we're going to talk more about this on the show, is whether the live golfers could be in form after only playing their three-round tournaments. They play less events. Uh, what did Brooks think about that narrative? We're still the same people. So, I mean, I know if I'm healthy, I know I can compete. I don't think any of the guys that play this event thought otherwise either. Um, when Phil plays good, they know he's going to compete. P. Reed, same thing. Um, I think that's just manufactured by the media that we can't compete anymore. We were washed up. Mm. Very monotone, Brooks Kepka. I'm sure he wasn't thrilled yeah. after that loss. He had just won the last live event, yep. which was in Orlando. And I'm, I'm sure he was uh, really anxious, hoping that he could maybe pull that off and kind of try to shut up some of the doubters. But it was not to be. And I think a lot mm. of PGA Tour guys are certainly, certainly happy that John Rahm was able to overcome Brooks there on Sunday. Yeah, I'm sure the PGA guys are not, not too keen on the live guys coming in and, and snatching up uh, major titles. Speaking of one of them. It was 19 years since Phil Mickelson won his first green jacket. Now also on that live tour, lefty shooting seven under on Sunday to finish tied for second with Kepka. Mickelson, you might remember, skipped last year's Masters after his polarizing comment regarding the Saudi Arabia-backed live tour and how it could help reshape mm. the PGA. That got him in some hot water. His 65 on Sunday, though, have to note, the lowest round in Masters history by a wow. player over 50 years old. Here is Phil sounding off after his run at Augusta. Today was a great day for me to stay present and uh, just keep hitting good <laughs> shots. Even after I, I might have uh, had a, a mess up here or there, I was able to stay present and keep hitting good shots. And, and I'm hopeful that this kind of catapults me into playing the rest of the year the way I believe I'm playing. I really worked hard in the offseason <laughs> to get ready. I've been shooting some really low scores at home. And... Uh, today I kind of let it happen rather than trying to force it, and I had a really good day and, and, um, and made some noise. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough, but it was really a lot of fun for me to, to play at this level again, and it's encouraging for me uh, going forward the rest of the year. There was a lot of talk about how the roars he was getting for his success were much more dull than the roars he used to get, mm, especially at Augusta, and I think there are still a lot of fans that are kind of lukewarm on Phil Mickelson and some of the things he said throughout this whole live PGA debate. Yeah, and I think there's also just this whole deal with, you know, live players, and, and uh, it's just an interesting time right now in the game of golf where you've got these two separate leagues now uh, competing, uh, you know, for the eyeballs. Of the, you know, the PGA, of course, still has a, a hammerlock uh, on that, uh, but, you know, the, the live is trying to make their mark, and, and, you know, Phil Mickelson was kind of that – first splashy guy that they were able to recruit over and he's been uh, kind of a big ambassador I guess uh, for that circuit ever since and they've been able to acquire a ton of a talented PGA players I mean I think for me I'm glad that um, the live players are still getting to play in, in these, in events, these yeah. events these uh, um, the majors um, but we'll see how it kind of continues to go but We've got more debate when it comes to this topic, live, uh, and a couple other uh, topics that we're going to sound off on as we wrap up NSN Daily. Your Monday edition of the show wraps up when we come back.
All right, back here in our Legends Bay Lounge presented by Circus Sports. Reminder, you can download the Circus Sports app from inside the Legends Bay Casino and Sparks make bets anywhere in the state of Nevada. Mike, we're going to get to a little debate topic to wrap up the show here in a second. But first, while we were uh, taping, uh, we did see something come across Twitter, and that's uh, KJ Allen. Uh, he is a uh, transfer from Texas Tech in the portal uh, right now. He is listed as top five schools that he is considering, the Wolfpack among them. Uh, that was tweeted from the Compton Magic accounts, an AAU program down in Southern California, and also uh, where uh, Jared Lucas uh, came up. So got to be a connection there between Lucas and Allen, it seems like a, this would be a good fit for the pack. Potential correlation, as you said, I'm sure they're very familiar with each other. Yeah, his other four schools, Portland State, USF, UC Riverside, and La Tech. So when you look at those schools on paper, you got to think Nevada has the, the best program, strongest ability to play some really meaningful basketball. He's a 6'5", 255-pounder, just averaged over two points a game at Texas Tech, only played about nine minutes this last year. Before Texas Tech, he was at East L.A. Community College, which maybe our Netflix and chill fans know <laughs> is part of Last Chance U. And so you can actually see a closer look at K.J. Allen if you watch Last Chance U on Netflix. I did see his season, and I remember him being a really strong player at that junior college mm. level. So we'll see if a couple years later he works his way to Reno, Nevada to suit up for the Wolfpack. We will just have to see. Not the only transfer and, and top five news we're going to have throughout this offseason, I'm sure. Well, an interesting you look at time frame for uh, Portal and recruits. Nevada didn't actually have their first player out of the Portal since until May 1st oh, man. last year. So it, this is, I know it feels like there's a lot of guys kind of coming and going. Like but when is someone going to In a lot of ways, like this is sort of uh, still the beginning uh, of this time period so a lot of discussion still to come on that all right so let's get back to this masters discussion uh mike was this great for live i mean you're talking about phil mickelson made a run at the end kepka was right there in the conversation i mean do you feel like this was a good performance for the live players you have to think it was whether you like live or not right i mean to have two guys as runner-ups uh and just all the talk going into it this has not been a cuddly coexistence between Liv and the PGA Tour. Of course, as you talked about earlier in the show, though, cool to see the Liv guys get the opportunity. So I think it is it is a big weekend if you're the Liv guys because the whole narrative is like, do they play mm -hmm. enough? Are they as seasoned as the PGA guys? And I think they proved, even though Kepka kind of fell off yeah. on that final round. On the flip side, you saw Phil Mickelson play a really strong final round. So that whole 54-hole tournament argument I don't think holds much weight. I think if you're the live guys, you got to be excited about what happened. Yeah, to me, I think that kind of nullifies the argument. I get it. Like, Kepka did fall apart after 54, but I think that's more maybe some stuff up here. And also just physically, like, the guy has had uh, some serious injuries. His body didn't necessarily hold up yeah. uh, for 72 holes of golf. You saw what Mickelson did. I mean, he showed his minus seven. So these guys have been playing four rounds of golf their entire life. I don't think just they're because fine. they're yeah. recently doing that, uh, they can't uh, get up to snuff. All right, one more uh, before we end the show. How about OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., signs with the Ravens. Will that keep Lamar in Baltimore to keep that pairing? I think it will. Uh, you saw Lamar Jackson post a screenshot of him FaceTiming with OBJ after that signing was announced. I think that tells us almost everything we need to know, even though Lamar requested a trade. I feel like mm. this OBJ signing might reel him back in. What do you think? Uh, I think it will. I think it will. But my bigger question is, is OBJ the, the same OBJ? He missed all of last year, so we'll have to see. Time will tell. All right, that's it for Monday's Innocent Daily. See you guys tomorrow.